0: Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maize & Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Spring football is over and the team is back from France. Now we have to wait four long months to see just what kind of a team we're going to have. Joining us on our game day segment in just a few minutes will be Rachel Lindsay from the Land of Ten. We'll talk about that trip, changes to the coaching staff, Shea Patterson, and much more. First, a few news and notes to get us started. As you know, we're on our summer schedule from May through August, which means two shows a month and a Michigan Man Extra. There is never a scheduled date for the Extra Edition, but I will always give you a heads up on Facebook and Twitter before it airs. So our next regular show for May will be on the 23rd of this month. Baseball and softball are both wrapping up outstanding seasons. Softball clinched another Big Ten title on Saturday by mercy ruling Ohio State 8-0 in five innings. The Big Ten tournament gets underway this week for the ladies. Baseball is flying high too as they battle for a Big Ten title and then hopefully a return to the NCAA tournament. We'll have more on both baseball and softball later in the show on Quick Hits. As I mentioned at the top, spring football is over and the team is back from France. By all accounts, it was an incredible trip. A great educational experience and a chance for these young football players to step away from the grind of their sport and just be students. Most of them will have the rest of the month off. Then in June, it's back for summer workouts and back to school to get ahead academically. My guest today says we didn't learn much this spring about what to expect this fall from this Michigan team, and that's okay. Sometimes we put too much stock in what we normally see of the team in spring anyway. We'll have to wait until Labor Day weekend down in South Bend to have a better idea just what kind of team we might have. And if we fixed our offensive woes in the off season, any way you cut it, it's going to be a big year for Michigan football. Our guest today thinks it's even fair to say It's a make-it-or-break-it year for the Jim Harbaugh era of Michigan football. Rachel Lindsay from the Land of Ten joins us next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's maze and Brew. With us on our Game Days segment this week, back for another visit, is Rachel Lenzi, who covers our Wolverines for Land of Ten. Great to have you back on the show, Rachel. Well,
1: thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, and as we know, spring practice uh, has come and gone. So now we begin the four-month wait for the start of another season. In the last month, Rachel, I think a lot of Michigan fans have been talking about the Amazon Prime series, uh, All or Nothing, featuring michigan did you get a chance to see that yet
1: yes i watched that uh right around the time it, it came out i watched it that uh it came out like late thursday night and it was very interesting to see how much it revealed about the the program you know it's a very closed off program there are a lot of parameters set on the team but i think it gave a very um intimate very real life you know a little bit of a a raw look at the wolverines as well and i think we saw you know a few sides of people that we usually don't get to see, you know, particularly, I think, Rashawn Gary, Wilton State, you know, and even even Jim Harbaugh. I mean, one thing that really struck me was when Sarah Harbaugh, Jim's wife, talked about, you know, what happens after he loses a game, how he'll wake up in the middle of the night and scream out plays. And I said, wow, that's something you never think about, that happening kind of, you know, you look at life away from the field. And I think that's a very important part of uh, college athletics and sports that people don't get to see a lot of.
0: Another aspect of that show is we got to see a little bit more of Don Brown than we normally do when he's interviewed uh, in media situations, quite the character to say the least.
1: Yeah, definitely a, you know, an outgoing kind of a strong personality if you will uh you know he's very intense when you speak to him that was no different when you saw him interacting with the team or the halftime speech he gave against uh florida as well and even just you know again his, his interactions and people really feed off that inside and outside of the program
0: well you know in the offseason rachel we've heard a lot of people in and outside the program say the offense last year too complicated for a team so young at least for me, I came away with a pretty good feeling that that was right. That was a very complicated offense to run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I got that impression as well. That uh, one thing that. When, in the players and some of the coaches that we had spoken to, particularly the players, we spoken to during, during the spring practice. I think immediately of the offensive line. And one thing a couple of the offensive linemen said, you know, there's just you know, one thing that Ed Warner, the new offensive line coach, has come in. He's really taken on our position group and he's simplified our responsibilities. You know, he's, you know, they didn't use the exact words. They said you know, things aren't as confusing. Technique is simpler. It's just a matter of uh, making this more instinctive, of seeing a play and doing it rather than taking that extra half second to try to figure out what we need to do so that's that's very very important and one thing in the offseason Jim Harbaugh said he was going to be what he called a self-scout of the offense and you know as we saw that men you know getting you know some coaches left some new coaches came in Jim McElwain and Ed Warner in particular came in you know uh, streamlining some of the responsibilities and that's gonna be very, very important to have that offensive grasp because the defense really carried this pro- this program last year. Maybe you know, two in the last two seasons as well, the offense wasn't you know, carrying their weight. So this is gonna be very, very important to find that balance. The defense cannot keep bailing the offense
0: out. No, absolutely it cannot. you know, another thing I think an interesting aspect that came at least to me from the Amazon Prime series was about Tim Drevno. And we all know mm-hmm. whether you were a fan or you were covering the team last year he got a lot of heat all year, especially as the season wore on from the fans, not only for the offensive line play, but the play calling. But it sure seemed to me when you watch that series, again, keeping in mind there was a lot of editing going on, it sure seemed like Pep mm-hmm. Hamilton was much more involved with the play calling than Tim Drevno was. Was that your takeaway?
1: Yeah, I, I was impressed with, with Pep Hamilton with his his poise, the way he handled situations, the way he handled his players as well. I thought that, you know, I I saw a new side of Pep Hamilton there as well. And one thing that really uh, stuck out to me was an exchange between Tim Drevno and Pep Hamilton. I believe it was in, I think it was in the Indiana game where at one point, I I think it was, Tim Drevno said to Pep Hamilton, I really didn't want to say anything, but John O'Corn looks a little... Think pep said jittery yeah. And I said, yeah you know he had a, it just to me that was an example like he's got a really good feel of of what's going on with this program he understands that as well and again i walked away from that watch after watching that series again very impressed with uh pep hamilton's poise as a coach and as a coordinator
0: well of course the uh, the team got back from france last week and while it didn't get the coverage of last year's trip to rome uh, I think again a great educational and bonding experience for the team that's what everyone says and that really is after all the point of these adventures isn't it Rachel?
1: Well you know it's one thing uh, Jim Harbaugh he designed those overseas trips much like the satellite camps you know as a as a recruiting tool as a way to draw attention to the program when Jim Harbaugh came in in 2015 the you know let's, let's be real the the program really really needed a shot in the arm they Five and seven in 2014, seven and six in 2013. Uh, you know, uh, 2012 is the end of the Denard Robinson era. Things have gotten stale, you know, uh, five and seven, unacceptable in this program. Jim Harbaugh came in and changed up the energy of this program in so many different ways, some ways that uh, made people kind of, you know, question, you know, is he bending the rules? Is he doing this? Everything he did was in the rules and he pushed the envelope just enough to you know make people take notice and i thought that was a very very shrewd move on jim harbaugh's part you know the other thing we have to look at michigan has these kind of resources to do that you know uh you know but he thanks the two donors i can't remember the names off the top of their Uh heads. you know uh you know if you look at the the endowment if you look at uh the money that comes into that program i mean jim harbaugh's doing a great job of taking advantage of the fact that you know while football isn't the you know isn't the vehicle it's the key that turns the ignition It gets people to notice you know the rest of the university of michigan it's it's, it's really become that he's done a very very good job of doing that
0: as you mentioned he did mention the two donors who uh, put up for this year's trip and he said they have committed uh, to i don't know if just next year future trips but it is going to be an ongoing thing as far as coach harbaugh is concerned
1: yeah exactly and i'm just i'm just looking this up right, right now it was. A uh, body Kodak, I believe his name is, and Don Graham. They were uh, one is a video video game tycoon, as we, as you know, it, it had been reported, you know, and yeah, uh, you know, the other the other one is a software and engineer uh, who is involved in, in gaming as well. So you know, it's nice to have those at their disposal as well. But the other thing I think it also creates a little bit if you look at. The has and have not you know what other programs would be able to do this this kind of trip you know i mm-hmm. i think we're going to see more of a, a separation as, as well too Michigan did a very good job of establishing itself, you know they want to be had now they have to go on the field and back this up and, and start winning games
0: well in the last couple of weeks of course we've learned that shea patterson has been cleared to play he is eligible and most fans and a lot of national observers have pretty much given him the job do you think that's jumping the gun right now rachel you Well,
1: know, I, I from in the court of public opinion i don't think it's jumping the gun because Shea heart of patterson is probably uh the most one of the most dynamic quarterbacks that michigan has brought in, in a while there's a reason people are getting excited about him he had what 3100 yards about that about 23 24 touchdowns in 10 games over two season at old, uh, seasons at Old Miss, uh, the part that gives me pause is he has, uh, sustained a PCL injury uh, last uh, last year that prematurely ended his season at Old Miss. And there's of course there is a question of how is he going to uh, recover from, from that. You know, from what we've been told, really well, uh, his teammates like his confidence. His teammates, you know, they 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 love the way he's mobile and he's athletic and he can, you know, find a way to extend plays even when it looks like. They haven't. You know, we have not been able to see Shea Patterson or any of Michigan's practices uh, this this spring. And Michigan did not practice in France. It was just a you know, cultural enrichment trip, if you if you will. But uh, you know, it, it, there's there's there are very very high expectations around. Shea Patterson as well and you know it also brings up a point that Brandon Peters he's going to have to do a lot a lot if he wants to win this starting
0: job. Well, I thought it was interesting last week one of your colleagues uh, Chris Howard uh, wrote a piece in Land of Ten that came to the conclusion Michigan would have been 11 and one if Shea Patterson was the quarterback last year. I think the only loss he, he thought even if Shea played would have still been a loss was Penn State. Do you sort of buy into that uh, theory? i
1: you have to look at also how the different situations that happened in the offensive line I think that you know if if Shea Patterson had been the quarterback I think he would have definitely taken some of the pressure off the offensive line because he would have been able to get out of more of those situations he would have been more mobile you know but the same part is also there's so many moving parts involved again. the offensive line you know that's the heart of the of the offense that's Everything runs about if the offensive line can be successful. It has been so many more doors. The pass protection wasn't wasn't great. And you know, Karan Higdon and Chris Evans are both acknowledging this is something that we need to work on in the off season if we're going to make this offense run a little more successfully. But uh, I do agree with that assessment. I I do think that yeah, Shea Patterson would have given this you know this team more of a fighting chance. I don't know about eleven and one with all due respect to Chris <laughs> Howard. And I I think Chris is a great you know I love Chris. I love his insight. Uh you know, I but I definitely. think they would have had a better competitive chance with Shea Patterson, but that's you know again that's that's you know it's hindsight's 2020. Mm-hmm. It's all speculation at this
0: point. It's, it's fun to do that. Yeah, it is. With us on our game day segment this week is Rachel Lindsay from Land of Ten, who covers our Wolverines so well. Uh, Rachel, you wrote a piece in Land of Ten last week, citing three areas Michigan needed to shore up before the start of the season. The first of those was the secondary, and it was a pretty darn good secondary last year. But talk about where you see the areas that need improvement there.
1: Well, definitely the secondary, because if you look at how the season uh, wound down, as the season went on, even though Michigan plays a man defense, they kept getting burned in man coverage. And there were issues, you know, I think back to the Ohio State game where Josh Metellus had a surefire, we all thought, it was a sure interception of JT Barrett down uh, you know, inside the 20, and he drops the ball. And, you know, Ohio State comes back and scores one play later. You know, that that's kind of a big example. Of it. And I think the fact that we saw the, uh, you know, the secondary wear down and kind of, you know, lose its edge late in the season, I think that was a metaphor for the entire program. You know, uh, one former player I talked to said, you know, we have got to get mentally stronger. We have got to close out these games late in the season. It's happened, you know, twice. You know, two month- November, the last two Novembers, if you will. You know, they couldn't close out November of 2016 against Iowa. They couldn't close out against Ohio State. Again, you know, they they couldn't close out against Wisconsin in November of 2017, and that was after Brandon Peters was taken out of the game with a concussion. They couldn't close out against Ohio State. They couldn't do it against South Carolina. Uh, that's an area where Michigan really really needs to improve. It's not just in one but they have to improve that whole killer instinct that you know ability mm-hmm. to go in and step on a team's throat and finish out a game because that is a huge problem that is plaguing michigan and it's, it's becoming almost yeah, i can't find i don't want to say epidemic because that's not the right a definition but it's it's becoming habitual
0: well the next position group you mentioned was wide receiver a young group to be sure last year no shortage of talent to work with in that group though is there rachel
1: None, no, absolutely none. Uh, they they return everybody from Donovan Peoples-Jones. They'll get a healthy Tariq Black back. They've got Ketala Crawford and Eddie McDoom coming in as, as well. And, you know, obviously, Niko Collins will return. Oliver Martin, who didn't play last year, will come back. So they will have a year of experience under their ball, you know, not just young, youthful experience, but uh, they will be able to – I think particularly Donovan Peoples-Jones, who looks a lot stronger – Everything that has been said that he's, you know, the most improved wide receiver in practice. Again, this is what we've been told. We've not been able to watch any practices. You're going to see better timing from those players, better routes, you know, more instinctive moves as opposed to just being thrown into the fire and say, hey, go figure it out on the field.
0: Well, another important aspect of that is now they have a position coach in McElwain, and some of the players have been talking about what an impact grad assistant Roy Rountree has made. That That's Something they did not have last year.
1: Right, right. Yeah, they, I the, I like the hire of Roy Rontray as a grad assistant because he can come in and uh, level with those players. And he's a little, he's about three or four years, maybe five years out of school. He can come in. He can uh, relate with those players on a certain level. He understands what they've gone through. I mean, he was at, I believe he was at Indiana State or Colorado State. I can't remember where he was before coming to to Michigan. It yeah. is one of those two, or, or maybe both. Uh, you know, he's seen different offenses It can provide that unique perspective of someone who has been on the, you know, been on the field very recently, who's been in different programs and seen how things operate. And I think it's nice to get those diverse perspectives when you're coaching.
0: Well, the next position group you mentioned, uh, or the last was uh, something I think we can all agree on. It's that offensive line. You uh, talked about it earlier. It needs to develop depth. It just flat out has to be better this year.
1: It it, it has to be. And like I said, the the entire offense—it starts with the offensive lines' uh, effectiveness, their efficiency, and their proficiency. And They will come back again, like you know, like the wide receivers—a year better, a year of you know, a year more understanding and movement. And uh yeah, I again, the the addition of Ed Warren, a guy who has seen so many different offenses. He saw the spread at Kansas. He saw the triple option. At Air Force and at Army, uh, you know, a, he was an offensive coordinator at Ohio State. I think that's a huge addition because he's just got a great uh, mind for working with offensive linemen. he can look at them, he can analyze them, he can simplify the game, and he can say, "Hey, look, here's what we have to do to all get on the same page and be effective." And I talked to a former Kansas lineman who said, "You know, Ed Warner came in and just whipped everything into shape and got us all on the same page."
0: Who's under center? Who's carrying the ball? Who's catching the ball? It's all going to come down to that offensive line. That is it.
1: Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And I, the I mean, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh had said during spring practices the interior set with Ben Bredesen and Mike Wenyu at, at guard and Caesar Oluwase at center. Uh, another area where Michigan really needs to look at is their tackles. You know, we don't, we still don't know if Grant Newton's going to be back this year. He still hasn't been cleared to mm-hmm. return after sustaining, you know, sustaining a really just a terrible knee injury in the fall of 2016. You know. Uh, right now, it could be Juwan Bushalbeady and John Runyon at, at, at Tackle. But the other thing they need to do is really build depth at those positions, looking at the younger guys like James Hudson, Andrew Steber, you know, Chuck, Chuck Feliana. And uh, if something happens to Juwan Bushalbeady and John Runyon, those younger players who they'll be in their second year with the program, they may need to step in. So that's another thing they really need to do is cultivate depth on the offensive line as well, just the same way they do with the defensive
0: line. Well, another hot topic in the off season, and I think especially uh, after watching uh, All or Nothing, was offensive coordinator. We got a good look at uh, what happens in the press box and that communication between Coach Harbaugh and his guys up in the box. No offensive coordinator. It doesn't look like that's going to change again this year from what we've heard, Rachel. So, and
1: we don't we don't know what's, what's going to happen. Maybe Michigan's still in the midst of the self-scout. I asked him, Pep Hamilton, if he weeks it go about the offensive coordinator position and how the play calling is going to be determined. And again, you know, he said it's going to be a collective effort, much as it has been in the past mm-hmm. couple of years under Jim Harbaugh, but that uh, Jim Harbaugh will have the final say. One problem last year was that there were too many coordinators on the staff. You had a one-game coordinator in, in Greg Wright. You had a passing game coordinator in uh, Pep Hamilton, you had an offensive coordinator in Tim Dravenil, and one thing that really needed to be done was streamline those positions, you know, the responsibilities, the titles and, uh, you know, and what people need to do, because if I saw three coordinators on one side of the ball, it would, conf- it would just confuse the heck out of me. I'd say, well, who am I supposed to listen to? Especially if they all have different perspectives. It would be, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen, mm-hmm. if you will. But uh, no, definitely, you know, and while we don't know what's going to happen, if there will be a designated offensive coordinator or not, uh, I think if you look just now, how everything has been streamlined for, uh, you know, to kind of maximize some of this. I think that's a very very good move. It up. But I was going to be very unique if Michigan doesn't have an offensive
0: coordinator for the fall. Well, we know the preseason magazines and other previews are going to be out next month. And the prognostication will begin in earnest. A four-month period, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the main topics is going to be the Big Ten, I think, nationally and here in the Midwest which has just got to be the best division in college football, Rachel. It is brutal.
1: Oh, absolutely. I call it, the, it's, the, it's called the Big Ten East division. I jokingly only call it the uh, Big Ten Beast. And my, my personal <laughs> belief is anybody who wins that division should go into the college football playoff. That's that's just my that's just my take, you know, especially if you win the Big Ten out of that division. You, you deserve to go in there. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think I, it's, I mean, it's not just from, you look at, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Um, you know, look at some of the, the preseason teams. That's like what Oklahoma played, or you know, played Ohio State as as well. And you know, I think it was a couple years ago, Oregon played Michigan State. So uh, again, from top to bottom, there are no slouches, and these teams prepare like they belong in the national stage as well. I think I you know I, I think that Michigan State and Penn State's renaissance was a wonderful thing for the Big Ten and for the Big Ten East and for college football last year as well. And, I mean, Michigan has to find its place. in there. they can't settle for second place. They can't settle for third place. And they certainly will not settle for fourth place in that division.
0: Well, final thought, Rachel. And uh, that makes it a very pivotal year for Michigan football. And we've seen a lot of pivotal years over uh, time for this program. But do you see this as a make-it-or-break-it type of year for Jim Harbaugh and his era?
1: Yeah, I do actually. I I think with the personnel Michigan has, uh, with everything that's returning, with their schedule, with the course of development that everybody's on, with the tradition, you know, the not tradition, the addition of Shea Patterson. I was jumping ahead of myself there. The addition of Shea Patterson, the streamlining of all the coaches. Yeah, I, Michigan has to set itself up for success this year, and I think that is definitely what they are doing. And we're going to find out exactly how far this team has come when they play Notre Dame on September 1st in their season opener. I think that's a great immediate test for this
0: program. Indeed, I agree with that. Well, there are more questions than answers right now, not only for Michigan, but for everyone in college football. And we have almost four months until we uh, to see the start of the season and what kind of a team we have. My guest today has been Rachel Enzi, who covers Michigan for Land of Ten. As always, Rachel will uh, be following your work in Land of Ten and look forward to having you back in the fall when we uh, tee it up for real. So until then, have a great summer and thanks for your time, Rachel. All right. Thank you. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On Quick Hits today, the number 14 ranked University of Michigan softball team clinched outright ownership of the 2018 Big Ten Conference title with its 8-0 five-inning decision against rival Ohio State on Saturday afternoon in front of a crowd of 2,490 at the Wilpon Complex, home of Alumni Field. Michigan, which reclaimed the league's top spot after a one-year hiatus, has captured 20 of the last 27 Big Ten regular season crowns and 10 of the last 11. The Wolverines also locked up the number one seed for this week's Big Ten tournament, Freshman left-handed pitcher Megan Bobian, 32-3, winning his pitcher in college softball, was dominant in her second consecutive start against the Buckeyes, striking out five en route to a one-hit shutout her twelfth of the season. Ohio State broke up the perfect game with a double in the fourth and added a walk in the fifth, but did not advance past second base. Michigan dropped the series finale on Sunday to Ohio State, 10-1. Now it's on to Madison and the Big Ten Tournament on friday we'll get the winner of the michigan state nebraska game first pitch is scheduled for 4:30 p.m and the big ten tournament runs through saturday michigan ends the regular season at 43 and 10 18 and 3 in the big ten baseball has two games midweek one against cmu then in east lansing against sparty they stay on the road this weekend wrapping up the big ten regular season in west lafayette with purdue they are tied for first place with minnesota heading into this last weekend of play. Next week, the Big Ten tournament gets underway in Omaha. It has been a great season for Coach Eric Bakich and his team. They have a 29-14 and 14 overall record, 14-3 and three in the Big Ten, heading into this weekend's action. If you get the show from iTunes, just a reminder, take a moment to rate or comment on the program, and as always, thank you in advance. That will do it for another edition of The Michigan Man. Don't forget we're on our summer schedule so our next show will air on May 23rd. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls, at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!